everyone. Thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio, featuring the crew, where a former pro football player and a D3 all-star use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about anything but. Now here's John and Tex. You know what my favorite line is from Gladiator, John? What? Marcus Aurelius. People should know when they're conquered. Oh, that is My a great, great fucking line. Yeah. That is a great yeah. line. Uh, one of my pals would say that just moving people out of the bar or just like working, muscling your way to the front, That's good. people should know when they're conquered. Oh, man. Would you? Uh, I don't think Marcus Aurelius said that. Well, the old man. Like I no, thought it was, he didn't. That was when Maximus the, said it to him. And Marcus Aurelius looked at him and said, would you know when you were conquered, Maximus? Oh. Marcus Aurelius, the thinker, would never have made a definitive statement like right. that. Because you are being correct. conquered of mind and soul and body, I mean, there's so many ways to do conquered. So like, you know, knowing, and then the, the irony of Gladiator is Maximus never knows when he's conquered. And like goes as a slave, gets picked. I mean, that that's that that line oh my is God. what is like Holy the deciding fact. Like, did like, you take some form of movie rhetoric class? No, but I, <laughs> I'm not brain dead. I mean, uh, well, that, I fucking. But but as a, a fan of um, you know, read Marcus Aurelius meditations, and you know, I I hate to even use the term stoic now because it's, it's just been so fucking eviscerated within this Instagram. Oh, I thought you were gonna say this town. <sighs> No, what happens is is a bunch of dipshits get up and they Google, you know, stoic quotes and then they post some esoteric quote that like, you know, lets you think about, oh, this person's so deep when in actuality they don't know what the fuck it means. But um, Marcus Aurelius Meditations, which I think I read in like 1996. And And a gift from our pal George as well. Yeah. So we have that and then uh, uh, the cynics, which were before the stoics, who weren't necessarily cynical. But uh, there was a whole kind of evolution of a lot of this thinking. But in that deal, he says oh, to him, wrong, yeah. uh, people should know when they're conquered. And he goes, would you, Maximus? Would you wrong, know yeah. when you were conquered? And then that piece sets the entire trend of the entire movie Fuck. of when he, you know, when they're like, give me a soldier's death. And then he kills those dudes. It's like the blade sticks. And then he goes and he becomes a slave. Then he gets in, you know, and then he fights his way up into the sands of, uh, you know, of the Colosseum. Uh, takes that whole deal. I mean... He never knows when he's conquered. He even, when he you know he gets stabbed and poisoned, uh, still goes out and kills the dude and refuses to be conquered. Dude, so, I'm gonna have to rewatch this now. Yeah, that, that piece. I mean, knowing the historical value. Now, obviously, there's a lot of fucking Hollywood, um, you know, make believe in there. But I mean, the the whole smashing of the Germanic tribes. I mean, pretty amazing and a really interesting parallel when he gets up there and he goes. You know, uh, why are we doing this? And he said, the glory for Rome. And he's like, but the but people in Rome never see the battles. They're in some far off land. Why are we doing this? And it was the idea of the most dangerous thing you can can have. And actually, our our founding fathers wrote about this. The one of the biggest dangers was a standing army. So our founding fathers never wanted the standing army because a standing army. And you guys have heard, if you create an army and you don't have battles for them to fight. Then there becomes internal strife, and then that's when revolutions happen. And you know, if you're going to you know have a coup or a revolution, it has to be with the strength of the army. The army has to support it. Like if somebody was going to overthrow the United States, they would have to secure the U.S. Army or an entity of larger size, like an army inside of an army. Like if you had a private army of three to five million people, 
that would be able to take, you know, those individuals. So, um, but that was for the glory of Rome, that people in Rome wanted to know about the glory of Rome and how these things were going forth and this, and people would come back and, but they never saw this. I mean, dude, with the fact that they were fighting thousands of miles away in, in the Germanic tribes in Europe, why did Rome have to go that far? Why did they have to go to England? It's uh-huh. all for the glory of Rome. I have thought about that before. Like we're taking the two hour train ride from Nuremberg to Munich. And I'm thinking like, holy shit, hundreds of thousands of individuals have marched this train ride. And like that countryside in Germany is extremely beautiful. Mm-hmm. So like just imagining and then like the movie Fury mm-hmm. has the, the armies walking and I'm like, holy shit, man. Like, we got it fucking easy. Well, uh, I mean, so think about where Rome is in, yeah. in central Italy. They went up through the Alps, you know, crossed uh-huh. the Alps, went through all that, came down through, went into Europe. I mean, uh, you know, if you go to England, there's a town called Bath and they had Roman right. baths we, there. Um, yeah. Luke and I stopped by there on one of our yeah. seminar romps. So uh, just to see how far the Romans, I mean, there's still Roman roads that are being used to traverse daily. Like the Ro- like, uh, like there was a whole, uh, you know, piece within a class I took talking about the genius of Roman uh, engineering and the roads that are still in use today. So, I mean... All roads lead to Rome was their idea that they had to create a uh, you know really interesting road system. Uh, Hitler did the same thing, and that spurred here in the United States for us to do the exact same deal with creating infrastructure to create you know everything to be interconnected, you know, with the highway system. So that Didn't came know that. that came in response to you know what the Nazis have been doing because we were you know playing catch up, um, you know, so much so that if you guys ever want to Google some cool stuff, look at Operation Paperclip. There's books about that. Yeah, it's pretty pretty fucking crazy that stuff. That I haven't read. No, it's neat. Um, but I think... I, that was fun. Yeah, well, I mean, just talking about Gladiator and the historical significance and really just what an interesting, interesting thinker. And I always think about this with Marcus Aurelius. He wrote that book like as like a personal memoir and it right. survived. And I mean, it's like one of just a handful, like there's Seneca and a few others, but like all that stuff was happened... Uh, you know, in the moment and very few of it was written down with a lot of these thinkers. So that's really good stuff. But uh, let's get into some other really good stuff. I think we have some dope questions coming on the hotline. We do. So we have this deal called Power Athlete Radio Hotline where listeners, people that follow Power Athlete programs, people that listen to this podcast or generally follow us on Instagram get to leave questions that relate to performance, training, nutrition, health, sleep, recovery, anti-aging, life. Supplements. Supplements. And occasionally some truck stuff, which I always really dig on. Um, but I think we're going to hit some supplements. So who do we got today? We got a fun one. Ready? Let's do it. Power at the radio. I was at Summer Strong and heard Woods- Woodski's talk on supplements. I forgot to ask which creatine is the best one to take. Thanks for your time. Ooh. So for our listeners, yeah. Woodski gave a presentation at Summer Strong 14. And rather than a ph- philosophy stoic speech, yeah. he presented on uh, supplements. And this is available online on Derek's website, ecobolic.com. So uh, every year I've heard Derek speak. And even when he came and uh, we had that amazing moment with a Talk to Me Johnny where he spoke at um, Power Athlete uh, Symposium, uh, it's always real grandeur and it's big, it's big, powerful thoughts. It's uh, goal setting in here. I mean, there's just some really uh, you know heady stuff. 
but it's not always something that people can leave in action with today. And so, um, I think it was on the podcast or in a conversation I tasked him with, um, you know, what are the takeaways? What can you provide people to take away that day? And when he got asked to speak at SummerStrong, that resonated with him so much so that during the talk, he said, hey, you know, John Walborn made a good point that we need more takeaways. So I'm going to take you back to the Poliquin Institute and rehash some of the nutrition uh, supplement recommendations that they used for, you know, muscle performance recovery and went into a deep dive. And it was really killer to hear him get up there and speak because I think what people don't understand is he taught hundreds of those mm -hmm. all around the globe, very similar to what we did. Uh, he went on the road for Poliquin and taught their, um, you know, uh, uh, Poliquin Institute, different, you know, uh, I think it's called modules and, uh, you know, world renowned speaker, world renowned strength coach. And, you know, probably one of the, uh, smartest dudes we know and, uh, you know, multiple alum of power athlete radio. So, um, creatine. So I did not know this little fact. But it turns out creatine was first synthesized in like the 1800s and it's been around for many, many years. I first heard about creatine in 1990, 1991 from George Angus. George came home with like this big box we, we, where we came over to lift weights and he had come home with these big boxes and it was just this white powder in like a white bottle with no labels. And he said, hey, take a teaspoon of this twice a day and let me know how you do. So we started taking creatine and all of a sudden... Uh, you know, recovery got better. We seem to be getting bigger. We seem to be getting stronger and pretty much have taken creatine nonstop since 1990. Um, at that time, the only creatine available was called creatine monohydrate. Uh, but over the years, they've developed a bunch of different versions of creatine. And uh, we can do a little deep dive. I actually pulled up some inform information. For those of you guys who don't know, creatine is all about ATT or ATP production. So creatine phosphate, cellular energy production through ATP, and ATP is endose... I mess up these words all the time. It's endosine triphosphate. So that's the powerhouse, that's the energy to the cell. When you're producing energy, you're producing uh, ATP. So creatine aids in that. Now, the first one, basic creatine monohydrate, was the first one I took, and really the one that I've taken predominantly over the last decades. Uh, but I did a little Google search on the different versions of creatine. Now there's a lot. Everybody's tried to come back and put their own spin on creatine to improve upon it, to make it and sell it. Uh, the first one was called creatine ethyl ester. So that was one they were trying to basically create an ester out of the ethyl for the creatine. And if you look at the effects and all the research they've done, no difference, right, from creatine monohydrate. Uh, the other one was creatine hydrochloride. Uh, that one was uh, allegedly more water soluble. So creatine's a white powder. You put it into you know water, or we were always told to put it into grape juice, so that it could act, it could use the sugar, insulin, blood sugar deal as mm -hmm. a transport. And we thought that it could get creatine in the in the muscle faster. I don't know if that one that one's still out, but that was how we did. It. We always took it with grape juice. Um, is it more water soluble? Yes. Does it increase absorption? Maybe. Is it better? Marginally, like the effects and the studies I looked at really didn't show anything significant. It just was easier to mix. So if you were going to put it in water, it was simpler. Uh, number five was liquid creatine. Um, back in the day, it was called creatin, and there was a company that made a liquid creatine. 
Uh, yeah, I remember those, those drops. Everybody in high school. Dude, super expensive. So what they did is they took creatine monohydrate. They somehow, you know, basically put it into a liquid. Now, the one thing I liked about it is it wasn't as messy. So you could throw it in your gym bag. You could take it. Like almost like you could take creatine over the course of the entire day at post-workout, you know, whatever it was. Because it was just was in like a bottle and you just kind of poured it in. Um, they had a ton of research where they were like, oh, it's 40% better and the effects and whatever. All the research I looked at, pretty much the same as creatine monohydrate. But the one plus is that it's cleaner, less messy. You don't have any white chalky powder and you can take it with you and it was just easier to consume. So the next one was called magnesium chelate. And that one also was no better than creatine monohydrate. So the six that I didn't, and there, there was a bunch, man. Like when I, when I say there was a bunch, I just picked out kind of the six that were, you know, obviously came up the most yeah. and those were those. But when I sort of combed through the research and not to say I dug through every single research that I did a hundred, I looked at a hundred peer revered articles. So I just glanced at a few. Uh, the results when compared to creatine monohydrate were pretty much the same. So the recommendation is find a creatine monohydrate from a reputable source. Don't buy it from, you know, off of Amazon from someplace out of China. You know, I mean, I like the thorn stuff. The thorn is a little bit more expensive, but I order other stuff from thorn. And so I just get creatine from them, but to go online, find a reputable brand. There's uh, don't buy into any of the marketing associated with it. Just the basic creatine monohydrate. And that's the one now. A couple caveats. Creatine is not a steroid. You don't have to cycle it. And I get this all <laughs> the time where people are like, should I cycle on and off? No. Well, where where do you feel that uh, came it, from? Like there's this weird thought that if something is performance enhancing, you have to cycle it. And I think that comes from like maybe Dan Duchesne's steroid Bible or maybe it comes from you know, some other stuff like so much. So I got a question the other day from, uh, from one of my, uh, personal clients asking about cycling blood flow restriction training. Like, should I cycle on and off? And I'm like, it's not a steroid. <laughs> like, are you making gains? Like what we found was that five days of BFR was too much, two to three days, um, alternating between like two upper, one lower, two lower, one upper kind of a deal was really the sweet spot for it. And my comment was, are you still getting performance gains out of it? Are you feeling better? It's like, yeah, I'm getting stronger. I feel more jacked. I'm leaner. I'm, I'm feeling like a million bucks. Well then, you know what? Keep doing it. You don't have to cycle off it like it's a steroid. Um, creatine is not a steroid, so you don't have to cycle on and off, or I don't even know if people cycle on and off steroids. Um, you know, I've had some clients hit me up that are on TRT that just take the same amount you know, and then they go in and get their blood work and they might adjust based on some other factors. But I think that cycling stuff really came down to uh, people taking a ton of steroids. Like, uh, hey, I'm going to base this thing with tests and I'm going to take orals and all these other different injectables. And the problem is the toxicity was so high that they had to take them in short periods to actually give their your organs and their body a time to recover. So creatine is not like this. It's not a hormone. It's not messing you up in any way. What it's doing is it's providing ATP uh, which is increasing, um, you know, energy for the cell, but also, and Derek brought this up in our pre, in our podcast, that's coming out tomorrow, tomorrow, uh, <laughs> about it's a neuroprotectant. And I've always wondered if maybe one of the reasons that I did not develop the same amount of 
brain damage or brain issues or if that maybe the stuff that happened was able to recover a little faster because I was a continuous creatine user. So I've been saying it for 10 years. Every vertebrae on the planet should take it. If you got bones in your body, you should be taking creatine. Um, if you are an athlete that involves using your head as a battering ram, like a rugby, hockey, football, whatever it is, you should be taking creatine monohydrate. And if you are a performance athlete or looking for longevity or looking to start off some form of, uh, you know, mental decline, I think ATP, I think anybody who is in that 40, 50 year old range should be taking it. So pretty much everybody should be taking it. Is there an age that you would recommend? Um, I... You know, that's a tricky one. Um, I think if your kid is old enough to understand what he's doing, like trying to reason with a five-year-old is very tough. And I'm not going to give my, my five-year-old some supplements, even though he does. He takes some vitamin D and a few other things that he's deficient in. But we also get blood testing done. I know that sounds crazy. But I do take my kids in at five and nine, you know, my twins at nine. And I do get their blood work done by Dr. Tom. And I figure out where they're micronutrient deficient. Now, people would say, oh, that's a little crazy, but if you've listened to previous podcasts, and especially knowing Dr. Ankladon, you'll know that the food today is not as nutrient-dense as it was 100 years ago. So if we ate the same diet 100 years ago, we would not have the nutrient deficiencies that we have. And for those kids growing up, as uh, Mia, you know, growing up in the 80s, it was different. But I think to kids today, being able to figure out where they're micronutrient deficient and being able to supplement some, with some things is probably a smart play for down the road. Mm -hmm. um, so there's no need to cycle off creatine. Uh, the other big one was loading. So there was always a loading phase for creatine where I want you to take. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so it was like, uh, I want to say, it was like three to five teaspoons for the first five days. And then once you load into it, then you take like uh, you know a teaspoon in the morning at night. Um, but... The problem is if you take too much creatine, you're going to have some GI issues and you're basically going to shit yourself. So we messed up the loading aspect of creatine when George originally told us. And we pretty much, I think we took a whole bottle in one day. And uh, that was pretty awful. We went, we went to go run that Self -correcting? night. Self-correcting? We went to go run that night and it was like stomach cramps keeled over. We couldn't run. I remember my brother had yelling at me, get the fuck up as he's keeling over. Uh, <laughs> needless to say, like... I'm not a huge fan of the whole loading deal. Just consistently take it. Eventually, it'll reach a saturation point where you need. I don't think you need to load it. Just a teaspoon in the morning, teaspoon at night. Derek did touch on that that dehydration. So the cramps and people warning or as a, uh, a voice against creatine was the dehydration factor. And I can't really remember well, exactly. The idea was that it was uh, pulling water out of a cell in like, uh, and basically, or a cell volumizer. I can't remember the exact piece, but they had an idea that creatine was pulling water out of the cell and was dehydrating people. I think that really comes down to salt. I think it comes down to a lack of salt. So if you're going to be using creatine or performance training or whatnot, probably got to throw some salt in. Um, our good friends, Rob Wolf at Element, uh, are probably doing it better than anybody's doing it right now. I know I take a couple of those a day, especially when it gets real hot. Dude, the watermelon. Oh, it's so good. It's and mind you, I actually pay and buy Element. So this is not a paid endorsement in any way. Um, Rob's my friend, and I, the product's so good that I actually buy it. And, and they'll ship us a few free samples, but for the most part, I buy it because I put it in my kids' lunches. My wife takes it. I take it. Uh, I know Chris, if it's around, he'll take it. Um, pretty much he's searching everywhere for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
He's like, hey, uh, I, I got to go into your pantry real quick. Kate, your clients need some more. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You might as well just leave them in the gym. Yeah, just leave them. Um, so that's important. Uh, so I don't think, or uh, and I'm sure people will disagree, whatever. No need to cycle off of it. No need to load it. And just find some creatine monohydrate from a reputable source and call it good. And, um, you know, don't, don't get stuck in the marketing ploys of these overly elaborate creatines that they have, uh, you know, make all these preposterous claims that because it's a supplement, they don't have to justify the claims with the FDA. Um, there was a, um, I think we talked about it on the podcast. I heard a comment that I've never been able to verify. And I think it was probably some bro science, but the idea that we evolved eating fast twitch animals. So like a deer or things that moved at great speed, which because they were fast twitch and able to move fast had a higher amount of creatine than animals that were grazing it still. Now, uh, I've not been able to find any proof of that, but I did find an interesting piece of research where they talked about creatine amount in the mu- in, in meat being higher when it's dried opposed from cooked. Mm-hmm. So like if, uh, which would, you know, maybe make sense, but that, that the heating of the meat would destroy the creatine, whereas just drying it, it was in a higher level. So uh, if you're eating uh, a diet of, you know, red meat and, uh, you know, to go back to John Harbaugh talking about don't eat chicken, it's a nervous bird, pretty fast. So, uh, you know, and I heard somebody be like, well, you know, if uh, chickens are fast, wouldn't they have higher amounts of creatine? Uh, the only thing I could find was one guy who was not a scientist and I think was sat within probably the same genre as the dude who told us or that claimed to not lift weights at bands were better. Um, but I couldn't find any research to support it. But it, that's also one of those things that's like, oh, yeah, I, I could buy into that. That might make sense. But I couldn't find any research for it. But I did find research for higher amounts of creatine and dried meat opposed from cooked meat. Um, the idea, too, well, if I eat a, a you know, meeting a predominantly, um, you know, protein-based meat diet, do I still need creatine? Yes. Take it. Uh, the jury's out. Neuroprotectant. Increased performance more ATP, more energy to sell. And it's simple, it's easy to get. You don't have to cycle off of it. You don't have to do anything too crazy. Just avoid all the crazy marketing stuff and just go out and get some basic creatine monohydrate. Uh, if you want to order from Thorne, uh, go ahead. I think they're doing it better than anybody else out there. So, um, But I'm, I'm sure uh, you know um, our buddy Michael from um, um, Legion Nutrition, I know he's got a creatine. So, um, or maybe he doesn't, but... We'll check I him imagine. out. I'm sure he does. Yeah. He's pretty jiggy. And I know his, he sent us his stuff and it's all pretty high quality. So as long as it's coming from a reputable brand, I think you're fine. And uh, Yeah. And you're interested in reading more and some citations. Rob Xline has two recent posts, one on creatine. It's for everyone. That's yeah. the title. Yeah. And then one on the, the jerkies, the meats, yeah, which we, is very interesting. We collaborated on that. Um I sent him a whole bunch of stuff and he was so far ahead where I, where I was on it. I was like, Hey, you just run with it. And so, yeah, we got two articles on uh power We'll link those up in the show notes and you can go in and do a deep dive. But at the end of the day, don't listen to anybody that's talking about creatine being a perform or a, a steroid or that you have to cycle on and off and load. It's, it's not, it's just, well, what should people do when they're offered NO explode and C4? I'll tell people the same thing I told them at the seminar, avoid things with the word explode in it. 
because normally when you take them, either your heart's going to explode or your, your ass anus. is going to explode. The amount of people that I saw taking all these crazy pre-workouts and having to run to the bathroom and shit their brains out was never a good deal. Yeah. Like what part of that screams, this is okay? Well, so... Uh, they just, if, they like the buzz. Well, so years ago, um, and I think I've talked about it, uh, Abijayev, who was the Bulgarian Olympic lifting coach, he came over to America and he gave this talk on how he would train football players. And I got forwarded the talk. It was translated, but he wrote a template. And there was a whole thing in there about um, low arousal, high arousal. So when those guys trained, they wanted to be very, very low arousal. Like there was no howling at the moon, no fucking, you know, seat at the table, head through the, you know, the deal. You're not cranking Metallica trying to fucking, you know, smash your head through the bar. Uh because that was high arousal and that was always safe for competition. So uh, I figured out that um, you can only have so much, I guess you could say high arousal uh, a week. And for me, I wanted to save it for Sunday. So I tried to be very even keel, very relaxed. I never took any pre-workout or anything crazy before going out to practice because I wanted to be very even keel, very technical, very you know aware of what's happening in a learning state and have a high level, I guess you could say, of intensity, but not high level of arousal. Now, come Sunday, uh, you know, I wanted to hear bombs over Baghdad and fucking run out there at 100 miles an hour and try to kill people. So when Abijayev was talking about the difference between low arousal and high arousal, what they found was that if the guys were training, in training were high arousal, then they would burn out really quickly and not be able to hit what they expected to in their competition. So what I get worried about when you have these guys that are basically fucking jacking pre-workout before every workout, mm -hmm. what's the lingering effect? You know, and not that you know people are going out and they're you know trying to play in the NFL or or um, you know uh, you know or you know set PRs or you know win medals with Olympic lifting, but you know if you're thinking about high school kids or college kids that are you know using performance and training for a certain task, uh, that I think. If you go to that well too often, when you need it, it's not going to be there. So if I was you guys, I would avoid anything that looks like NO explode. I would avoid the pre-workout and just save the pre-workout from when you need that little bit of superpower. Ask and answered. Ask and answered. So if you got questions, please leave them. We have this hotline. We talked about it earlier. 929-464-464. 0. 929-0. And we are Power Athlete Radio. I'm John. This is Tex. And thanks for tuning in to another episode. Yeah. Bye. And well, before oh. we go, we need some ratings. If you oh. enjoyed and found this infotaining today. God damn it. How come I always forget to ask for people to go and smash the five-star likes? Yeah. Give us a five-star or type up a clever review. And if you type up a clever review and leave us a five-star, there's a good chance that we'll read it on the podcast. Why? Are there any good ones for you? Do we, do, we, do we get any good ones? I don't want to read it. I think our uh, the person that's taking over Skynet will love to read it eventually. Oh, Chauncey? Chauncey. You think Chauncey will read it? I do. Awesome. Well, guys, tune in for Chauncey. Look for our reviews. If you enjoyed this podcast, recommend it to your friends and go on and smash a five-star review anywhere that you can review and listen to and digest your podcast. Boom. Boom. Bye. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com 
and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!